Yes, and welcome back to your home of good news, mind-boggling and bizarre anecdotes from history, and hopefully a few jokes on the way. It's with me, Callum, and it's that news to me. Uh, this will give you, strangely enough, as you're here again, your weekly dose of good news. But stop right there. If you want to have a daily dose of good news and make our producer a little bit more happy, uh, please join us on our Instagram page at that's news to me it's been a great week for good news uh, i believe uh yeah piers morgan won't be on our screens anymore so that's good news for <laughs> most people apart from the misogynistic racists out there hello how you doing nice to see <laughs> you nice, thanks nice, for thanks. listening thanks for listening yeah but before we get into all the good news and you know veer away from the kind of royalty story uh i've got to introduce the person that is with me today uh, I heard that this week he's going running, a long run. Uh, I also heard he's running for office, and guess what? He's been running through my mind all day. It's Buster Chater. How you doing, mate? You right? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, running for my life. Sort of literally. I'm trying to get healthy. I want to live forever. That's, well, it's, we could only Technically hope. Technically possible, right? if you're a jellyfish or a hedge. Yeah, or a lo- lobster. Lobster also, they don't know. Yes. Actually, oh, a friend I... of mine I used to work with at Kew Gardens was talking today about hedges potentially living for thousands of years if they get layered regularly. And that, of course, means to cut them at the base and fold them down so that they regenerate growth, not to shag them. <laughs> right. That's where I've been going wrong. I've been going it's in and shagging It's important to say she's a botanist hedges. and knows what she's talking about and hasn't, as far as anyone knows shagged a hedge right what what um i think is crazy is no one still knows how lobsters procreate with each other i'm just like surely there have been such environments where they do have sex so is it like every time someone just like looks away quickly the two lobsters are like ah have sex because it's, it's, cause it's so again. fast yeah yeah lobster yeah. sees another one says yeah come and have sex with me make it snappy <laughs> hey uh, going back to running for office and running for being a prime minister, is there any? What will be the first law you try and put in place? I think um, we've got to end the tyranny of um, illegal uh, substances. We've got to sort that out. Just decriminalise all of that. Second decree: tube technology. Just going to start researching tube technology. Everyone will just travel around in tubes, like in right. uh, Futurama. Futurama. That needs yeah. to get sorted out. Um, and then third one, no more rich people and poor people. Tax of billionaires, universal basic income. Leveller. Right. You took that bit too seriously, but thank you very much. So, uh, what we're going to do is we'll get on with your first story of the week, Buster. Let's not you know doddle about. Let's just crack on and about. get involved. Exactly. What's the point? Well, just to, while we while we introduce this, I'm just going to. That was a butt plug coming out of Buster's ass. I use it for migraines. <laughs> it's a fun fact. The butt plugs were developed originally to help people with migraines. You can imagine that conversation. You've got really bad times. headaches. You keep Bend bringing over. this up. You keep bringing it up. Do I? Yeah, you've brought up a few times. One of my favourite facts of 2021, I think. Yeah. Weird thing is, is they didn't stop it until last week. Yeah, still get a prescription butt plug. This first story I want to tell you this week is about the Persian Pussy Manoeuvre. Oh, 
Yeah. Right. So, opening of our story. The Persian Pussy Maneuver. The year is 625 BC, and the famous Greek historian Herodotus visits the city of Pelusium, which is an important city in the eastern extremes of Egypt's Nile Delta on the River Nile. And he was, he was quite surprised, he was shocked by what he found here. There was the remains of a battle that had happened a century earlier, but he described it as seeing a sea of skulls, like huge amounts of casualties at this battle. But they were surrounding the city in a way that it, it was clear to him they were the defenders of this city, the Egyptians, who were defending this city. They died in huge numbers compared to the attackers. So he knew a bit about the context and what had happened at this battle. It was a battle between the Egyptians and the Persians. And it was pretty damn unusual for a defender in a city with walls and all of the advantages of the, mm. the space and time and the, you know, the height that defending a city gives you to lose so badly and to have so many casualties. So that's what this story is about. How did the Egyptians lose this famous battle in uh, Pelusium so badly? And what is the Persian pussy maneuver? Is it because the Persians thought that the walls were just one big scratching post and they were just there <laughs> scratching away? <laughs> that, I mean, that would be delightful. <laughs> they, they covered this, the walls with like that rope that cat scratching poles are used out of and they just scaled it immediately easily the, using the, the fingernails the Egyptians there were just some water trying to spray them like bad Persians bad bad trying to just squirt them. <laughs> <laughs> you spray, spray a bottle on them <laughs> yeah. so I, I mentioned before that Herodotus visited about a century um, after this battle took place so we go back to the battle it's 525 BC and the Achaemenid Empire or the Persian Empire the first Persian Empire and Egypt are at war the two big names the two guys involved in this war are Cambyses II of Persia the, Persia, the Prince of Persia if you will and Pharaoh Amasis II for Egypt that two sequels a, that was a shit another shit movie wasn't it Amasis the second was nowhere yeah, was near a, as good was, as the yeah, first was, one. Amasis the first was, so was banging. It's just so yeah. bad. Yeah, why did they bring Adam Sandler in? Just so bad. Just <laughs> poor, poor movie. Couldn't so believe it when that kangaroo it. just started jumping across. Couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, and the IMDB reviews are way too high for it as well. Nah, it's ridiculous. Nah. Absolutely. You know what they should do? They should make a movie about Prince of Persia. That would be quite a good movie. I bet that would be brilliant and That'd everyone will brilliant. love it. Exactly, I think so. <laughs> It'd be better than Frogger, the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the funny thing, because this is ancient history, we're talking 500 BC here. With ancient history, people can't agree on even some of the most basic facts sometimes. So the way that this war started, allegedly, is... Uh, so the two folks I mentioned, Cambyses, the Persian sort of ruler, uh, he requested a doctor, uh, specifically, actually, an ophthalmologist from the pharaoh of Egypt, Amasis. At the time, before the war started, we were on tense but friendly terms. So Amasis, the pharaoh, sent over an ophthalmologist for Cambyses. What is that? But the ophthalmologist... Eye doctor. Right. So, and in fact, that's an interesting question, actually, that you bring up. Bearing in mind the, like, absolute shit show of ancient medicine, what do you think in 
an ophthalmologist in 525 BC does. I imagine it's going to be something to do with hammers, probably. Hammers oh. involved. Definitely. I think I think they probably would have... They would have definitely connected the eye to kind of the brain at this point in time. So they could be doing like, you know what, you know, what's that called when they put like holes in people's brains? Oh, the trepanning. Yeah. Yeah. I I bet you (laughs) that. Just drilling holes in people's eyes. Yeah. I mean, 100% it was something awful like that. But that's how we ended up getting our pupils via evolution. We didn't have any pupils. Oh, they trepanned the eye. Trepanned the eye. And then we just started growing them was like oh, our bodies were like just, might as well just make the holes with them in less painful and then we were able yeah. to oh, see yeah. having to, to go around with a little chisel a, you know yeah. an ice pick and a hammer just pop everyone's pupils out a bit like punching a ticket yeah you know what we call that we call that science yeah that's science baby I don't know what an ophthalmologist would do at this point in time like I thought it was all like gods and, and all that kind of stuff so they probably had some really weird conceptions about eyes and uh, how they can speak to gods and all that mm. crap at that point yeah in time. there's definitely going to be some magic related to this somehow yeah 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 how could the eye have yeah. just evolved it didn't just evolve it took ages I don't know if there was a, a like a ancient Egyptian or sort of Persian uh, translation for would you like Lezik or Lezek? <laughs> I think that's uh, I'm not just even feel, Unless I'm, of course Stargate even. is real and then maybe that, that's what was going on <laughs> maybe it was all sorted I didn't like it Well the problem, the problem <laughs> that these guys had is that the, the ophthalmologist who was sent over was basically just pissed that he was sent over to do forced labor and you know because no one everyone was kind of a slave to the egyptian pharaoh so should they tell everyone else what everyone else is up to that's what they should they should tell him be like you've got the good end of the stick you just are gonna go look at someone's eye here mate you're not like moving massive blocks and dying whilst we build the pyramids i would definitely take some sort of outpatient job rather than building a huge edifice this um, jilted, well not jilted, this disgruntled doctor actually set off the wheels, set the wheels in motion to start a war between the Persians and the Egyptians. He decided that he was going to convince the Persian ruler Cambyses to ask Ambassus for his daughter's hand in marriage, knowing that the Egyptian pharaoh would never agree to having his daughter marry a Persian. And that would just sour relations and ultimately start some hostilities. So this, basically, this plan was pretty good, but had another little hilarious twist in that the uh, pharaoh didn't want to just say no, because he knew that this would cause a problem. So he thought he'd just try and loophole his way out of it. So the, the idea was that he'd asked for the pharaoh's hand in marriage. So the pharaoh went, okay doesn't have to be me, could be a previous pharaoh. So like it's the equivalent of like Donald Trump going like, hey, you can marry Chelsea Clinton. The um, the pharaohs decided to find the daughter of the previous pharaoh, uh, a woman called Nitetus. Um, but unfortunately, Nitetus's father, the previous pharaoh, had been murdered by the current pharaoh, Amasis. Ah. So there was a certain amount of enmity existing between these two. Remember so, when I killed your dad? Well, now could yeah. you go and marry this guy for me? Yeah. 
to preserve as, peace between our nations. Exactly. As a, as a nice yeah. thing for me to, to help me out, you know? I killed your dad, so what? Get Do over it. Do me a solid. Biggie. Your dad, your dad was a real pain in my ass. So. Yeah. <laughs> he was in my way, as in, you know, he was he was the pharaoh, and I wanted to be the pharaoh, so... Yes. You know. And I didn't want to just buy the hat. I wanted it to be given to me. You know, the cool golden blue hat, you know. <laughs> All's fair in pyramids and sphinxes. You know? Yes, exactly. Well, um, she, of course, was insulted by this and uh, jammed her pyramid right up his sphinx and right. just told Cambyses everything. The Persian ruler, this is a whole ruse. I'm not his daughter. I'm the previous ruler's daughter. He's taking you for a fool. So Cambyses, in classic start to a good story, vowed revenge. And that's how the war began. Disgruntled eye doctor murder, daughter loophole, carnage. So, the war began, but didn't get off to a great start for Amasis, the pharaoh, uh, the Egyptian pharaoh. He died um, six oh. months before the invasion actually started. So, hilariously, this whole, off. this whole shenanigan, the guy <laughs> who was all the beef was with, dead. His son's now in charge. Um, Samik. Samic the third, not as good as the second. And and the ophthalmologist is just like, oh, I'll go back to Persia now. Go back. Yeah, I mean he's probably oh, been struck off new, as well. The new pharaoh, he wants you to marry his daughter as well. <laughs> Don't want the yeah. first time. I know, I know. Oh, it causes a bit of a debacle, but I'll go strain it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, I mean, this is like a bit like the First World War in the in the way that. The, the flimsy pretense for war is quickly forgotten because everyone who's fighting is just itching for a scrap. It doesn't really matter that the guy's dead. It doesn't matter if it was the fact it was over something as stupid as an eye doctor getting pissed off. The sides were lined up. They paid for the tanks or, you know, spears, and they were going to use them. Everyone was ready. It's, it was too much of an inconvenience yeah, 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 yeah. not to have a war at this Yeah, point. you had to go and have the war, even though it was yeah. six months away. It, it sounds like, though, this uh, this eye doctor didn't really see this coming. Would that be fair? <laughs> That's true, yes. He didn't have a lot of foresight. No, no. Sounds like he was going around blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's no record, really, of what happens to this dude, but I bet, I bet he just off Scott free as well it's ridiculous it, it, sounds, it sounds like he just uh, you know, shouted a swear word at the pharaoh from really far away and then blamed it on someone else and then just ran and then yeah. he just kind of just was hiding out in a cave happy with his work I'm like ah oh, well that, that's like the war brilliant thank you very much my, do- my job is done <laughs> I'm just going to draw in this cave now <laughs> yeah, just going to hieroglyph something real bad here <laughs> Rude hieroglyphics. I mean, that you do see those around still today, don't you? Yeah, it's called porn. Yeah. <laughs> so, this basically this war started. The guy in charge of Egypt is in a change. It's there's been a change of management, which probably hasn't helped them. The Persians make quite a dramatic uh, advances into Egyptian territory, eventually getting to the city that I mentioned at the beginning, um, and and meeting the Egyptians under the walls of Pelusium. And this is where the Persian pussy manoeuvre is wheeled out. Right. Any thoughts about what that may be? Was it 
um, making the Sphinx disappear and then reappear again. Sort of like a David Copperfield of ancient Egypt. Yeah, exactly. And while they were going, wow, how did you yeah. do that? Bang, kill them, chop off their heads. So, I'm going to I'm going to reveal the Persians' Go on. pussy maneuver. It's pretty it's pretty clever. So, the Egyptians, pretty well known for worshiping cats, uh, they believed cats were demigods. Even the, and this is an incredible tidbit that Odin found in some research on the story that if their family cat died. As a sign of mourning, people would sometimes shave their eyebrows off to, to illustrate that they were in mourning and the period of mourning ended when the eyebrows grew back and you could appear surprised again that your cat was dead. <laughs> which, is, which is amazing. Um, and basically the Persians used this obsession that the Egyptians, ancient Egyptians had with cats against them and just carried cats in their arms as they marched towards the walls of the city. And they couldn't shoot them because they might have killed the cats. Exactly. So, like, Brilliant. you have an army. You've got like Braveheart, mooning in their kilts, screaming. You've got like the the Romans, the gladiators, banging their sort of kite shields with their spears and creating a noise to scare the enemy. Can you imagine the ruckus of a bunch of people holding cats, <laughs> wriggling cats that didn't want to be part of this at all? That's amazing. Unless the cats went on their own, in which case it would be quiet as hell. That's like, what, walking behind cows if people were in Hindu? Brilliant. Just hide behind something that they love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like a hostage situation thing, except easier to obtain loads of cats than, you know, family members of everyone in the castle. That's great. That's a great idea. they, they also, there's reports of them tying the cats to their shields or throwing them over the, like, the battlements to create, like, a sort of Fairy fury on the other side. Um, well, none of it. Help, they couldn't help. Couldn't help but stroke was... them. <laughs> oh, what do I do? Defend my face? Or no, I'm gonna stroke Mr. Tickles. <laughs> Throw your little uh, furry. <laughs> <laughs> some early Peter members throwing red paint at the Persians. Yeah, <laughs> <You> bastards. <laughs> but basically, this this worked, right? We've already heard about the result mm. for the. Egyptians, it didn't go well, but the Egyptians yeah. completely collapsed. They they wouldn't fire arrows at the attacking forces. Wow. They they just let them approach the castle. And once they get close enough, then of course they can um, overwhelm the gates and the walls. And that was it. The battle was over quite quickly with very heavy casualties for can the. You, uh, for the can you imagine RSPCA? They were so happy, weren't they? Just the Persian king being like, yeah. we're going to adopt all of the cats. We're actually going to give some to the Egyptians, actually. Oh, it's so nice of you. So That's nice really nice because the Egyptians love cats. I'm yeah. sure they'll be treated really well there. Yeah. Next thing you know, the RFPCA are knocking on their door being like, we've heard there's been some animal cruelty in the royal family and the military yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. so, I think maybe a form you should take when you're... Uh, adopting a cat from like Battersea Cat and Dog's home should be do you plan to use this animal as a feline shield? <laughs> nope. That should be one of the questions. <laughs> or when, you, when you're taking the cat home be like do you have any sort of like shields with a cat holster on the front? <laughs> um, I've got some interesting ancient Egypt cat facts for you to, to, right. to fluff this off this story out because this, this is, is so interesting because i think it's interesting that that we don't 
worship animals like we do. I'm guessing that we might be going yes. down that route. So many religions around the world do focus so much on animals. Um, mm-hmm. But my understanding, and you probably, you know, for this to happen, obviously, I think you're, this is the way you're going to go about it. I think now what the difference is, is the monotheist god has changed everything. So I might be wrong. You might be. Might, might be completely wrong. Yeah, that's exactly but, right. Uh, yeah, there's but, less room it, for the fun animal ones. Yeah, that's, that's what my understanding is. Is that because we, with the monotheistic gods, you only have one, which is normally made in God's image. We're made in God's image, therefore, we're human, just like they're human. And if you just worshipped a cat, and you had a monotheistic religion, people would say that was weird for some reason. Yeah, now, I've said this before. Monotheism ruins everything. It's it loads does. more fun to have a pantheon. Yeah, because this is a thing as well. If, if, if you have pantheon. if you have multiple different gods, at least it doesn't pretend that it's almighty and all loving and all good and all bad. You can't. Yeah, some of them can be twats. Yeah, exactly. You can you can have a twatish god and you can have a good god, and it's like, oh, that makes sense now. So we can like the good ones, we don't like the bad ones, and we can pretend that these things that are running our lives actually make sense from a mora- morality point of view because some of them are good and some of them are bad. But when you have a monotheistic god. You, you you sit there and you go, hello. So why does all this bad shit happen? Oh, that's just you being yeah. a twat. You, it's, your, it's your fault. That's not his fault. And it 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 gets into a massive clusterfuck of, of annoyance and stupidity. So yeah, that's that's exactly right. You're painted into a corner when you've got one because he has to be a hero. Um, yeah. Producer Corner points out that in most ancient mythologies, gods are just complete unashamed. <laughs> 99% of the time <laughs> and that's so true that's why the stories are so fantastic put your hands and up again if you'd like for that for just to be beeped out again right, oh cool. yes of We're course going, yeah, yeah, so, yeah okay, okay. That's, yeah. okay we have to beep that out again Jesus so, Christ so, <laughs> but, but would that be right cat, though would that be right yeah though, that's exactly right that's exactly yeah. right it's it's mon- modern monotheistic religions which the um, Abrahamic religions dominate that around the world and they yeah they have one dude he's in charge no room for, you know, cats, people with horses' legs or goat legs, you know, anything fun like that. Mm. But the Egyptians had uh, three <laughs> deities with cat like, heads. Anything fun like goat legs. <laughs> the goat leg guys were the oh best, man. Pan pipes, parties. <laughs> oh, the mad times I had fun with my goat legs on. That's, that's just cracking fun. Cracking fun. Didn't feel sheepish at all. Rowing back to what we were talking about and Egyptians worshipping cats and you saying that monotheistic religions were the reason why that we didn't worship animals. Um, A fun fact that was provided from Producer Corner is that worship of animals is, is, is kind, as you say, due to the monotheistic religions, the Abrahamic religions. But in Christianity and... Uh, Islam, they view the lamb in Christianity and the lion very positively in, in, and they form the characters of several stories, you know, the Christians say the lamb of God and things like that but that's as close as you get you get like props in those religions you can be a talking character perhaps, like a, a cameo but it stops there it's never worship yeah. or iconography um Neither religion ever really says that you should care for or worship or defend them in any way. In fact, early Christians would be slaughtering 
um, lambs and things for God. So mm-hmm. kind of the opposite. Like, this is a special animal. Got it. And that's where actually also a lot of our fears around snakes um, and spiders and all this kind of stuff comes from. Uh, the reason why people call snakes evil all the time is because it's been painted in the Bible as this like evil thing for so, so long. And now everyone has this idea that they're horrible creatures. Yeah, they look a bit slimy and they are quite dangerous, but generally snakes are kind of idle. They don't really give a shit. They're not, they're not just going like, to bite you for no reason. Um, and you get this idea around animals and people just don't really know where they get it from. Arachnophobia, being scared of snakes, all kind of comes from the uh, rapture and all the bad things that happen once. Mm. Uh, and locusts and insects and cockroaches, all these things, everyone's scared of them. It's because in our minds it's been built up way over time that these are the bad things that will come and get you once the rapture comes. Wrapping up this story, the aftermath of this battle was pretty significant. The Persians swept through Egypt. I don't know if they pulled the Persian pussy maneuver any more times, but this was a decisive battle that meant that they took over huge parts of the Egyptian territory. They then made a sort of um, peace agreement with the Libyans who were next door mm. to Egypt and consolidated the power and took over, became Egypt's 27th dynasty. So the Persians ruled Egypt wow. for the next 200 years. Uh, and while there was a sea of skulls at uh, Pelusium, there's no account of how many cats perished. So I think it's fair to assume that there were zero cat casualties and they all retired on a full army pension, like our good friend Unsinkable Sam from that previous episode. Oh, bless him. That would be great. Nice happy did. ending. Yeah, nice. He's living happy in Malta ending. now, just chilling out. <laughs> Right then, Cuba has approved animal welfare law. They're one of the few remaining South American countries that uh, didn't have any kind of law around animal welfare, and they had a lot of like kind of animal sacrifice, cock and dog fighting, for example, very very commonplace in this uh, country. And now they have some law to protect their animals, which is very nice and trying to reduce the cruelty and uh, raise awareness on how they need to protect their animals. So they're one of the remaining few that still need legislation. Now they have it. So I'm happy that, you know, cats are being more looked after than the Egyptians in our earlier story. On to some more good news. There has been a massive increase in improving sanitation in the rural areas of Kenya. So just to give you some stats, only 19,000 out of 70,000 villages have certified open defecation-free toilets, which is kind of the high standard of these toilets. And 4 in 10 are only using improved facilities, which means that a lot of people are actually, um, like, almost like 30% are pretty much just in, in a kind of an open pit rather than any kind of proper sanitation. And throughout 2018, for a partnership, they've been increasing the amount of sanitation in Kenya for a very long time. And it, you know, sanitation is a very key thing. It stops people from getting ill, um, and it actually has somewhere to go, and, and you can, obviously, your drinking water's safer. I don't need to describe um, what it's like and why the benefits of not drinking shit-flavoured water yeah. is but you know it, 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 it's sad but it's great this it, these things are improving 
and um, that there's such a big project going on right now to increase the sanitation in these kind of rural areas of Africa. It's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a big problem for a lot of poorer countries. Something as simple that we take for granted as a, as a hygienic toilet. Indeed. I've uh, got a, a, a nice, quick, punchy good news stuff. So there's a critically endangered species of toad caught with a brilliant name, the variable harlequin toad. Wow. It's uh, native to Panama, and it's one of the rarest toads in the world. Uh, like a lot of endangered animals, it's because its habitat is decreasing. But some scientists at the University of Manchester and the Manchester Museum have managed to breed harlequin toads for the very first time in captivity. It's a massive challenge because they normally breed in turbulent streams, so lots of fast-running water with stones and boulders moving around that they lay their eggs on. And these uh, habitat conditions have to be kind of replicated quite closely for the for the um, for their little frog spawn to uh, to hatch properly. They've managed to do that, and that's obviously the first step towards reintroducing them into the wild uh, in in the future. So this breeding program, it's been going on for three years and they've finally got some little toads. So that's fantastic news for that, an in- critically endangered species. That is very amazing. We're always looking out for the little ones uh, in this uh, podcast, even though I do prefer frogs to toads, in my personal opinion. I think toads are just a little bit too disgusting for my liking. Um, toads but- always makes me think of the League of Gentlemen. That's why I like them. Just a little bit too grimy. Bit, bit too slimy for me. Um, another piece of uh, brilliant news is that uh, the first ever bisexual, trans and gay retirement home is opening in the UK uh, for older LGBT plus people. So uh, there, was, there was basically a, a very much a wrong want for uh, a place for people to retire um, when they need a little bit more assistance that can actually live in a kind of LGBT plus friendly environment and there was more and more of a desire for it and you know I'm just glad that these people were able to open this up for for for, for, for gay people it's it sounds lovely um, and because uh, older, older folks are a little bit less understanding aren't they you can imagine yeah. them yeah yeah, I didn't want to go down a, that road. Make a pretty unpleasant environment for, for yeah. people. Like, yeah, maybe there's, we there's... should open a special one just for the racist Nazi shepherds. Just stick <laughs> them in one place and then all of them can be inclusive and nice, friendly places. So there's Put all over, the shitheads in one. So there's over one million LGBT plus people over 50 right now. Uh, so the need is going to be increased over the next few years. Mm. And so just for someone to go there and... And this is the thing, this isn't... This isn't discriminatory. This isn't people open up retirement homes and you know straight people can't go anywhere these days, can't even retire anymore. This isn't one of those things. This is making sure people <laughs> feel safe, <laughs> making sure that they feel okay. And feeling okay is actually genuinely important, just as important as being safe. So I've got a, sort of a double whammy good news story uh, about coronavirus vaccines because I think this is a source of a lot of hope for a lot of people. We've heard about the great rollout of the vaccine here and about countries where the, the lockdown has been so successful that you know they're, they're almost virus free. So to give people a little bit of good news about the coronavirus, because it's rare that we have some, 
there's been some early studies done on real-world vaccination efficacy. So there's been so many vac people vaccinated in the UK now that they're able to do actual real-world studies on how it's working. And in Scotland, University of Edinburgh, uh, well actually five Scottish universities including the University of Edinburgh have announced this week that one dose alone of the vaccine has cut hospitalizations due to COVID-19 in Scotland by more than 85%. Amazing. It was even more for just the Oxford AstraZeneca where they were able to separate but it's difficult because of the numbers so they've put, put them all together for both the Oxford and the um, BioNTech, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. That German and one. that overall comes down to an 85% reduction in hospitalizations. And also they found that the jabs offered more protection than they thought after just seven days. And that protection just increases from that point. Because we're only so far through this, they don't know how long that will last. But the early indication is that for many weeks, even seven weeks at the moment, it looks like, they have a high level of protection before the second jab can perhaps give them the top level protection that was found in the trials. So great news. It's uh, It's been described by the people studying it as spectacular, way better than anyone thought. So the last little bit of this story, which is the other bit of great news, is that so the vaccines that have been going out have broadly the same method of working. They use either DNA or mRNA to make your body produce antibodies that respond to the spike protein of the coronavirus. The potential problem we have in the next few months and years is that there's escape variants. So the variants that we've already seen of the coronavirus, if one of them is able to evade the vaccine because the antibodies don't work on it. So there's already work going on that started back in 2014 on a universal vaccine it will not only work on all novel coronaviruses, which actually includes SARS and MERS, two of the other quite hideous virus outbreaks that thankfully weren't as global as COVID-19, but it also potentially could work for the common cold. So very exciting early wow. human trials already beginning on a type of vaccine that can not just respond to the spike protein of COVID-19, but actually these uh, areas common to all coronavirus uh, the epitope. Uh, Are we going to finally have medicine. a cure for the common cold? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, and it, and it just took great. millions of people to die, but yeah. Last bit of good news for me today is India pioneering a new way of creating roads. So what they are starting to do and actually other countries by the way ghana and netherlands for two examples are also looking to do this as well so it is a growing number of countries that are starting to follow suit but india's working was started in the early 2000s is they started experimenting with using plastic in their tar so instead of making pure tar which then puts a lot of chemicals into the atmosphere is you actually already utilize the thrown away plastic of which globally there's set to be about 1.3 billion tons of plastic every single year by 2040 so that's going to be a, it's a lot of plastic and you can actually repurpose this for obviously a lot of different reasons but also one is to kind of fix potholes and fix roads and everything so there is new ways of being able to create roads and what it could do is it could both uh, reduce the amount of CFCs and stuff that are going into the air but also repurpose plastic that it was going to go to waste anyway so it kind of hit both nail on the head 
and it's going to be cheaper as well because we can already utilize that plastic for free so it's kind of a win-win yeah. but they're still win-win. working on yeah, how to do it anyway yeah but they're still working on how to do it and uh, making sure that it's still environmentally safe because you can't just mm-hmm. burn plastic now and just be like oh mouth melted down we can put that on the road now that's just not how things can work anymore <laughs> fortunately we're way past yeah. that point in time um but yeah it's it's, it's great great yeah we not just we don't just have the problem of facing how we're going to solve the you know future environmental challenges. We unfortunately have to figure out how we solve the one that we've already created. Like we, you know, it's not just us stopping doing the wrong thing. We've got to fix the problem we've already created. So that's great. Exactly. Stop those cows my, from farting. That's my yeah. Point. My uh, final quick bit of good news is a callback to uh, something we've talked about twice before. I think on the podcast, uh, Bookshop.org. Oh it's, yeah. Uh, really great uh, website where you can go and buy books and it's being hailed as the sort of ethical or the sort of kind alternative to Amazon for books. The reason that that's the case is it's uh, trying to become a C-Corp, so like a, a socially and environmentally conscious corporation that is not exactly not-for-profit but is uh, trying to do the right thing for the world rather than for its shareholders. And that's, it's in its kind of company constitution. It's also a company that's committed to giving a set amount of money to the independent bookshop sellers who sell on the platform. So when you buy a book from a bookshop on the high street, from an independent bookshop, they get a certain amount of money that they don't get through companies like Amazon. Amazon takes a huge cut and they get zero if you buy it from Amazon because it goes directly to, uh, to Jeff. Well, bookshop.org is trying to be the antidote to that, and they seem to have been really successful. That's the good news stories this week, is that more than 200,000 UK customers have used it since it launched in November when we talked about it the first time. And they've made sales of 5 million and profit of 1 million for the bookshops. It's a great amount of money to companies that have had furloughed staff and really struggling uh, high street bookshops. So it's great. So again, urge people, you're buying books, go on bookshop.org. Take a look there before you go on Amazon. Let's get with your last story of the day. Right, last story of the day has, I think, I think the greatest headline that we've ever had for a story. I'll give it to me. I'm going to close my eyes whilst you're looking at Yes, that's a great way. Actually, listeners at home as well, close your eyes and listen to this. This week's story is Super Selective Embolization with microcoil and gel foam for high-flow priapism, secondary to bilateral cavernous fistulae. A case study. That sounds like a sex thing. Bingo, sir. Shut it's a up. fucking sex thing. It's as sexy as hell. So, a couple I of heard fistulation, ago, though, so I was like, ah, okay. Yes, actually, the fistulation part of it, thankfully, doesn't doesn't really come into it. That, that, I wouldn't worry about that, listeners at home, if that's going to make you turn off. I think concentrate more on the um, super selective embolism and the gel foam and the high flow pyropism. But we'll, we'll circle back to it because I, the reason that I brought this story up is because we did um, talk about priapism before uh, yes. and doing some of my late night private research time, I found some really good stuff. So the... <laughs> Do you want to tell us a bit about Private the, uh... browsing. <laughs> Trying to so, find that uh, little treat for my wife and my my girlfriends. You don't have one at the moment. 
Both of them have left me. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> so I'm gonna find a lonely website. Get on that. I touch myself. You're never alone on the internet. So this story <laughs> starts with an unnamed man riding his moped here in the UK, but he crashed his moped and bruised his perineum. Uh, for those at home listening, and possibly for you, Callum, because you look a little surprised there. The no, I perineum is the it's the bit between your genitals and your arsehole. You sometimes referred to the gooch, exactly. It's the gooch, or the chad, or the scrotux, or the ABC, which is the arse bollock connector. I call it the pathway to hell. The pathway to hell? But which, where are you going, north or south? Well, south. You know. Ah. It's it's the it's the gate between it's the gate between hell and heaven, isn't it? It's the pathway. Depends on your point of view, man. There's some people some people love it. Well for me it's, it's purgatory. You're saying the, the, the gooch is purgatory yeah. for you. Go- gooch is purgatory for me. It's well this the, guy it's the it's the it's the yellow brick road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy fell off his moped and uh, yeah, his yellow brick road was bruised. But he had no other major injuries, no significant injuries at all except for his bruising bruised Gooch. I'll give you a little fact I mean, as well. Um, underneath there is a massive tendon. It is humongous. It's your big. I think it's the biggest tendon in your body, possibly. Right. Bigger than the ones through your fingers to your elbows. It's oh, is it fingers to your elbows? That's long. Yeah, you got no muscles in your hands. All the muscles are controlled down here, and the tendons go from almost to your elbow to your fingers. Okay. When so someone maybe break, it's not... breaks a tendon rock climbing. Maybe it's not. Boings and creates a huge lump on the forearm. It's fucking gross wow well maybe it's not the biggest then but it's definitely a very strong one and it's a, it's an interesting it goes, one because it's in the gooch and what it does is it is the thing that holds up your penis and makes sure it's erect oh but this is like the strap it is and it holds it up but it also is the thing that pulls your penis down and so if you ever watch porn and you see a man with a boner but it's actually more downwards and it's not holding itself up. That is because some men decide to get that tendon snipped and so that the penis can grow longer when it's erect, but their penis is no longer held up from the tendon. So there's a little fact about that little gooch Well, that feels like there. a... That's a that's a real uh, sort of... The sell yourself to the devil trade-off, isn't it? Would you like a, a bigger penis mm. that points downwards? <laughs> Yeah, and you do wonder how someone like me knows anything about that, you know? That's it's probably just... from your late-night research. We yeah, all do let's... a bit of late-night research, Callum. That's not... That's what the internet's for. Yeah, let's not pretend that Pop you're ever search on and just, penis yeah. extension... Ask questions. Kind of ...surgery. Yeah, you can. That's what I this didn't... podcast is all about. We do the hard work late-night research for you people, so we can find all the facts <laughs> out. <laughs> so anyway, this guy... And actually, this is a thing because this is a medical case study. The the gentleman in question, the moped pilot, is unnamed. So we have to come up with a name. We love this on the. It's yeah, you're a pilot moped, don't it's you? It's a flying pilot, a flying moped. Yeah, you pilot a boat, you, you pilot a moped, you or a pilot. You you drive them. You, you drive pilot them. a pedalo. You do not. You you pilot a flying thing. I'm not having this. He was riding a moped. Riding. You ride a right, moped. moped rider. Yes. So the captain who was <laughs> riding the moped 
he uh, he doesn't have a name because it's it's a medical case study. So I preliminarily came up with um, some names, and we can revisit them later on. So we'll come to that. But okay. basically, the unnamed chap who's uh, had this accident with his bruised taint. Um, he didn't report any significant injuries, but then something unusual happened. He got a raging boner. He did nothing about it at first, but eventually he went to hospital. How long do you think he waited before he went to the hospital? Moped crash. Oh, that's a bit of a... Oh, my paranoia. Hello. What was the interval between the hello and the hospital? I think about four wanks. So we're looking at around about <laughs> two to three minutes per, <laughs> two to three minutes per wank, and he's got to leave at least an hour or so in between each one. So let's say he was maybe maybe because he had still had the the boner. We, we're going to say that he was more closer to the hour than the two hour mark. So if we're looking at you know four hours, four intervals, four wanks. At three minutes a pop, because by the end of it, he's probably going to be taking a little bit longer than the first time, isn't he? I'm going to say four hours and 12 minutes. Well, I appreciate your scientific approach <laughs> to that, but you'll be horrified to learn that this guy showed up at a nine days. That's a lot of wanking. Presumably <laughs> hit the Hang on a minute. Post, handlebars, whatever. Let's figure nine that one days. out. It's about 22 wanks a day. Now, you've got to sleep for about eight hours, aren't you? So this is about 16 hours. You give 16 wanks times nine. You're looking at like, what's that? Can't even figure that out. What is that? 144 <laughs> wanks? 144 wanks, isn't it? 16 times nine? I don't think the number of wanks is the issue. The guy's had a burner for nine days. Yeah, he's trying to wank it not, off. That's <laughs> yeah, but after the second one didn't work... Don't just ride it out. What is he doing? Hey, look, girls, I've tried so many times to wank off my boner, but it just stays up. It just keeps going. I keep going. No, that's right. Well, that's so that's the thing. If you had a nine-day boner, I mean... What's that? It do you think that would be a really hilarious time, or...? No, it would not. That would bloody, that'd be bloody painful. Think of what you've done in the last nine days, right? I'm not working. I'm wanking. (laughs) That's true. That is exactly what I've been doing. What this guy's been doing uh, to try and you know help his medical problem, I've been doing for you know sport. Preventative. (laughs) Preventative. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Sensible. I'm doing it so if I do get take a prophylactic approach. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Good. Good. So, I think at this point it's worth making a sort of. PSA to our listeners, that are listeners with a penis, um, or to people who know someone with, very well with a penis that they feel comfortable having penis conversations with, if you have an erection for more than four hours, go to a hospital, because at four hours is this point when you can have permanent dick damage. Nine days is too long. Don't wait nine days. It's a really bad idea. Have you got any thoughts about what you might want to call this guy, this guy, and so he has the condition priapism that we mentioned in a previous podcast. Permanent boner syndrome, basically. I was thinking we could call him perhaps Monsieur Bonaparte. Nice, I like it. Monsieur Bonaparte, like it. Um, Let's go. He could be the head of you two. Bonner. Bonner, yep, yeah, that's also a great show. Bonner. 
It's also quite funny to imagine Bono being in this situation as well. <laughs> and he wears his sunglasses the entire time in the hospital as well. It's not me. Burke. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you, Bono? Nah, it's just nah, a guy in sunglasses. Yeah, you think it's Bono, but it's not actually Bono. It's not Bono. Why do you keep being up Bono? It's not Bono. All right, I'm Bono. <laughs> um, uh, could we call her, call him um, Bona Tyler? And he sings gothic songs. Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler, like Bonnie Tyler. Mm. Mm. I think Bonner's stronger than that, though. Yeah, let's go with Bonner. Quite like that. Let's go with Bonner. So, we've got Bonner locked in. Slash gentle Kenneth, or whatever we want to call him. <laughs> Strong Kenneth. Strong Kenneth, in this, in this case, yeah. Exactly. Stand up so, tall. Be in the army. This is the this is, this is the science. Bit Always now, standing at attention, gentle Kenneth, isn't he? Bang, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. So now I have to do my uh, sort of role as the buster, the science guy, to explain to our listeners what priapism is, because I think people come to the podcast for the content, for the detail, for the science. Exactly. For the so, penis. For the dicks. So priapism is a medical condition where you have a persistent erection, named after a character in Greek mythology called Priapus. He was famed for his massive erect penis, but he was cursed in the womb by Hera, the queen of the gods, um, Zeus's wife, um, because of a complicated and spiteful situation involving Aphrodite and uh, um, upset at a wedding. He was cursed uh, to have a huge penis that was always erect up until the point he wanted to use it. So as soon as he wanted to have sex, it would. That is the worst. That is, yeah. that is bad. He was also uh, cursed with ugliness and uh, a shit personality. So like a double whammy. So like women would be like, whoa, look at that guy's dick. Oh, he's an absolute troll and he's a real pain to hang around with. It's, it's a why real- Why would anyone want to have sex with him? Surely like, yeah. you've got to have one or the other. Yeah, you've got to be really good looking. Nah, they just doubled or... down, they just cursed the shit out yeah, of him. They, and, they, and he didn't do anything. Really he was in the womb as well. He just got no. he got done really badly. No, that is really, really bad. Like that's why I always it's... think that's why I always think whenever I'm watching like a show, like one of those kind of like, you know, married at first sight or something that's going on, and you see someone that, you know, obviously you don't find very attractive, but maybe you do think that like in you know the general populace, they're probably down the lower scale, is that at least have a good personality if you're ugly as shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, try and balance it out. Have one or the other. Some people are gifted with both. Bastards. Like, you know, people like Jared Leto. <laughs> Fuck off. You're really good looking, <laughs> you're really, really talented, you're really nice and funny, and also, I don't know if you've seen, but he held his penis on stage once, and it's like down to his knee, and it's like, you piece of fucking <laughs> shit, go and die. Die, Jared Leto, die. I do want to beat kind, him. Kind-heart yeah. of Callum there. Kind-hearted so- Jared Leto, die. Because you're too talented, you're too nice. But it sounds like this guy has the opposite problem, apart from... Yeah, yeah, he's no Jared Leto. Priapus yeah. had, had it pretty bad, really, in some ways. But he's also kind of famed for this huge penis. He used to hang out with all these satyrs and stuff and have a pretty cool time. He's, he's the, the son of Dionysus, the god of wine and stuff. So, you know, mixed bag. But 
it's probably worth, and maybe actually Odin in Producer Corner, you could quickly Google Priapus and find the Wikipedia page on it. And listeners at home, if you have a computer in front of you or your phone in your hand, if you just look up on Wikipedia so that your search history isn't completely fucked, uh, look up Priapus on Wikipedia, the, the headline image for uh, Priapus is hilarious. He's, his dick is so big, he has like a little... So, and this is like an ancient <laughs> fresco from... From, from Pompeii, which is a great source of you know <laughs> these things preserved from the volcano. Um, he, his dick is so big he's like made a little winch to hold yes, it up. Yes, hold it up. And the thing is, he he's had his gooch snapped as well because it's facing downwards. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> had he's, he's had he's, he's had the penis uh, lengthened surgery. That's what he's Maybe done. that's what Hera did to him. She's a cruel lady. Yeah, you, she you was like, it, it won't be standing up. It, and it is, and it is like humongous. Like that is, that's way too long. Yeah, he's no messing about. That that's looks, someone who definitely gets a disease named after him for sure. You know what it looks like. You know when you see those kind of like really big chessboards in the park, <laughs> it kind of looks like a bishop, doesn't it? That's what it looks like. It's, it's a garden bishop. I think that's the new uh, outdoor chess bishop is the new way of saying someone's really home. So Priapus, who gives his name to this disease, there's two types of this disease. There's the ischemic uh, or low flow type of priapism, or there's the non-ischemic or high flow type of priapism. The former, the low flow one, is the most common and it's also the most dangerous. So this one's caused usually by a blood clot or some sort of blockage in the blood vessels. It means that the blood goes into your penis, makes it erect, and then can't get out. Mm-hmm. And so that can very, very quickly lead to damage caused by the uh, lack of oxygenated blood moving around. Uh, yeah, and also what so it can, can get do is, scarring is, and- is, is, if, is if you're around that area, what could happen is, is the flow increases and then because it's trying to move it and then if that clot finally moves and then works its way up it could then clot your um, heart and then that's when people mm-hmm. have cardiac arrests because of the lack of flow of oxygen between their heart and the rest of their body yes yeah and, and the blood clots are super dangerous for that reason and, and many of those because even if it gets through your heart it could get to your lungs and cause a pulmonary embolism yeah it's really bad news getting a blood clot anywhere um, basically don't get in... a boner guys don't stop getting bonus <laughs> because what well, well, blood clot, the, the first type of priapism, that uh, ischemic um, uh, uh, priapism, can be caused by all sorts of things. There's lots of drugs, including, potentially, Viagra, SSRIs, antidepressant drugs, uh, which is shit considering one of the other side effects is a lack of, um, like, a re- reduction in your libido. Can you imagine that combination? Um, yeah and cocaine and loads of legal and legal drugs there's loads of things that can cause it it's it's a pretty rare condition though so people shouldn't worry about it but it can happen and that's the more common and the more dangerous type there's other type the slightly less common the high flow or non-ischemic priapism is to do with usually trauma to the penis which is a hilarious sentence to say or nerve injury so you have a, like a spinal injury or something you could cause nerve damage that meant that the vascular system controlling blood to the penis just goes up everyone in and so the blood is flowing flowing freely as it does with a normal erection so it's not going to be painful or cause scarring or deoxygenation and necrosis of tissue but you do have a boner so that's not ideal i Um, once got trauma to the penis 
Oh, no. Yeah. I had sex with a girl I didn't want to, and it was really traumatic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that's fine. I mean, I know a guy who snapped his banjo string having sex with someone, so, like, that's... I've snapped that a few times. That's suboptimal. Really? I, yeah, two or three times, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad news, man. Vigorous wanking. So... <laughs> so this th- week... I think we need to send out a little message before this story. We'll do it at the end. <laughs> Lots of dick shots. Yeah, it only gets worse, mate. It only gets worse. I mean, my search history is fucked because of this. No, all it I've isn't. Done, it's exactly the, the last... same as, as usual. <laughs> and Odin's sitting there going, me as well. You two are both single. Your search history is going to be this filthy anyway. You're yeah, both no, on we your do own. our private research time in private browsing mode. This was legitimate work. Did you, did you so zoom? So we did this all in regular Chrome. <laughs> so it's ruined it. What a goddamn mess. The worst thing is is when you go into private browsing and you go to type in like Pornhub or X videos or X hamster or whatever and as you're typing it in it Some comes tips up for our listeners it, there. <laughs> it comes up suggested and you're like, shit, when did I not go on private browsing? Now you've got to go back and try and find it to leave off your history. Well uh, now if I try and type in P it just goes funny penis facts. So <laughs> So, Nick, just comes up, pop, pops up a for, picture of you. No. Yeah, Funny the pain. podcast. <laughs> so there's a uh, thanks. There's uh, a right. thankfully for our, our uh, protagonist Bono, he had the latter, the non-ischemic, high-flow type of priapism, which is good because if he'd waited nine days, it would have been incredibly painful. His dick would have gone black. It would have dropped off. It would have been like he'd tied something right. He would have like his tourniquet or something. So, thankfully, he did have that. But. It's uh, It just reminded me of a conversation I overheard in a hospital once when I was visiting a friend of mine at a spinal ward and somebody asked, oh, how has it been recovering from from your back injury? And they just replied, it was hard. Now I realise why. Right. Severe, severe spinal injuries caused a massive burner. Right. But this guy had no problems, really. He had basically turned up at the, at the hospital, said he had a moped injury nine days previously, bruised his taint, his gooch, and he had a burner. He had a little and bit of a only... problem. He was driving around on a fucking moped, the douchebag. Yeah, that's an issue. <laughs> and he, uh, the only problem he reported was that it was slightly uncomfortable walking around, literally because he had a burner. No other yeah. reason. He didn't have any pain or anything. Right. Uh, the medics who assessed him said that he had a grade 4 erection. Now, this was news to me, and one of the reasons why my search history is completely ruined now. It's great. It turns out there is. There's grades! There's grades of erections. Wow. It's a four point scale called the Erection Hardness Scale, the EHS. Uh, it's actually quite difficult to Google without getting porny results. Right, okay. <laughs> I managed to find a urologist site that had some information about it. And the four grades are one, deflated party balloon, two, flump marshmallow. Three, usable, but... And four, Popeye's forearm. You're, you, usable, but... Uh, is that, is yeah, that the technical definition is... Technical the technical term. definition is... able. It's it's hard enough to penetrate, but not hard. Right. And okay. four is like... Go on. Right. A Babby's arm holding an apple. And that's a, that's, that's a medical scale. The EHS. So... This is then where the title that I gave you at the beginning <laughs> comes into it. 
because the title. Can you imagine just going in and being like, just for anything else, anything else in the world, I have something a little bit. There's something going on now, and there's a little bit of a thing. Can you just check it for me? And whilst the doctor's looking at it, yeah, he just goes, "Hmm, yeah, that's a two. Oh, what?" <laughs> yeah, if they checked you for something else yeah, and they just graded your erection. They just graded you anyway. I want a that. full health check, though. They're going to check it. I want people to check my EHS score and I want them to check my Bristol stool chart as well. I want them mm. to give me the full rundown. The, the, the story, really, I mean, it, with all the explanations of Priapism and all the um, funny dick stuff ends for this guy here, it was a happy ending, thankfully. Not that way. But uh, the doctors were able to fix him. They used gel foam which is uh that sounds like that's it's exactly it what i want a bit of gel get it on yeah. there let's go it's sunshine not like, not like shaving foam gel it's like a <laughs> it's a coagulant that dissolves in the body and a micro coil to get this coagulant into the right part of his body to constrict the blood flow just enough to stop him from having a permanent erection mm. and then as that dissolved and you know, he got better totally normal Business for the penis resumed uh, by the time that they had the oh. follow-up checkup a year later. So a year oh, later, he's totally back to normal and presumably riding mopeds again, the mad bastard. But the um, yeah, and that's why this title comes from because this, this story comes from a case study uh, in a scientific paper: super selective embolization with microcoil and gel foam for high flow priapism secondary to bilateral cavernous fistulae. And he's the only person that's had this thing. Yeah, it's pioneering. Yes. Wow, wow! I'm glad normally with it... this type of this type two of priapism, they just put like ice packs on it, basically, just, yeah, just chill, chill it down. But uh, nine days in, this was a pretty serious case, and the guy elected to have this uh, this experimental treatment rather than well the advice I, of ice. I it. thank him. I'm thanking him for for yeah. doing that and pioneering that for you know you, you never know when you're gonna fall down, break your gooch, and get a permanent erection. You just know ne- you just never know when it's your time. Do you? You never know. You never know. I think a good way to complete the story is with some phallic facts. You for some phallic facts? I am. And whenever I hear phallic, um, I always think of a pathetic fallacy. Now, pathetic fallacy is when the mood outside mirrors the mood of the character in a book. So if someone's upset and they're crying, it's raining outside. Or if someone's uh, angry and annoyed, then it might like, or there's some evil going about, then there'll be some thunder. Or if someone's happy, there'll be sunshine. So that's how... Yes, yeah, so you told me about this, yeah. And the yeah. only thing that I ever think about is the only, re- and the only reason why I remember it is because my English teacher said, always think of a really small penis. A pathetic phallus. And you know what? It's worked. Because that is one of the only things in English that I've ever remembered. Um, So yeah, that's that's pathetic fallacy for you. Some phallic Transitive adverbs. What the fuck is that about? I love it. Pathetic fallacy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Give me some penis penis facts. So, men have between three to five erections per night, apparently. While you're fast asleep, presumably, this is why... Most people don't like sleeping on the front because otherwise you'd be doing cock push-ups in the night. <laughs> but three to five erections in the night, uh, each one lasting like a half an hour. And I think you've watched it. It's a good documentary about a vegan diet. They do an experiment where they test some guys on this yeah. to check their blood flow. Uh, they happen from very early in life, b- before life, really, before you're born. Uh, baby boys have erections in the womb. Ugh. Incredibly. 
Having erections uh, in your mum. Your yeah. erection has been in your mum. But, but in the womb. <laughs> so well, just think about that, the, guys. Guys, who, if, if you're a guy and you're thinking about this, and you're, and you're listening right now, just think, you've had your erect penis in your mum. I'm more worried about the mums listening to this. If fucking <laughs> mums are listening to this, like, oh, God, baby's had a burn. Oh, yeah, it. I forgot that. Buster's Christ. mum. <laughs> Buster's mum. Yeah, we don't know if I did or not. <laughs> but we can safely assume, probably. Sorry, mum. But uh, your, was, you, you know, your, your whole was, body was in there, right? So, you know. Yeah, I guess that makes it totally fine. Exactly. Yeah. It's all right. So, a, a question that a lot of people have wondered for a long time. How big is it? How big is a penis? I so do. I know this. The, go on then. How big is it? Average penis. Average penis. Uh, average penis across the world, I believe, um, is erect. Is between five point five inches and six inches. Um, in Eastern Incredibly Asia. Incredibly accurate. You've uh, done your late night research. In East Asia, they have the smallest, um, and I think on average it's around about four. Uh, inches. I think. I think the smallest is like South Korea, four inches. And I think. Odin and largest... I limited ourselves to a global average. We didn't do a sort of eugenics penis the, analysis. And then the largest, <laughs> the largest is in Central Africa, and I. Although think... he has chipped in with Asian, three point six to four point one. Oh, there you go. He's and... just done a quick citrus now. <laughs> and then I think the largest. I think the largest is somewhere in Central Africa, which is round about seven from my remembrance and so if, if we could get some producer facts on that it's in Central Africa uh, he's been sending a load of photographs to us here in the chat so yeah I, I, some do, of them are I his. do I do know I do I do know a bit about a bit you about do know things too well that's yeah that that Dominican, is uh, Dominican Republic 7.1 inches that's is, the but, average but, Jesus but, but, Christ. The, but the average in South America is 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 6.4 so yeah that's yeah so interestingly North Korea apparently is the smallest you would have thought with the reputation they have for falsifying records that you know, because they, they won the World Cup and stuff, up a little they, bit. they'll be like the North Korean average penis is you know, 16 kilometers long you can see Kim Jong-un's penis from space. I think what probably happened is they probably don't have the smallest. It's probably pretty average compared to everyone else. But because no one can go in the country, people have just had to use binoculars and really just saw Binocular. someone from, some, from some reef far away. It was like, yeah, that's a roundabout. Yeah, let's just give them the small one. Well, genuine problem to the, the, the reason why this question has only been answered like definitively in relatively recent human times is because they were relying on questionnaires and self-measurement for men to report the size of their penises and dudes are fucking liars about the penises so yeah. the size and, was completely wrong oh so this is this is a, a bit of a side note but kind of has stuff to do with this there was a recent survey i say recent i think it had about five or six years ago and um they only took it from straight people this is very, very important for the survey so they only took it from straight people and they got like ten thousand people or something a big big sample of um, them asking the same amount of males, the same amount of females, how many people have they had straight sex with? Penis to vagina kind of sex, right? Men only works if you're asking men, straight people, yeah, sure. Yeah. Men came in at 12, and women came in at 8. So, you know, Bass, as well as I do, that can't be fucking possible. You have to have, if you're having straight sex, then it would, laws of averages would work out, both would have the sex with the same amount of people. 
because that's how things work. It's, it's a law of averages. We get you there. But basically, what's everyone's happened is, is men have bulked their numbers up by a couple, and women have pushed theirs down by a couple, and they've realised that the average amount of people that have sex with people is 10. Uh, because, yeah, of, because, yeah, because of that. Social pressure for people yeah. to lie. I'm going to rip through another couple of dick facts for you. Go on. Largest in the world, 13 and a half inches, over a foot long. Yes, and the guy got stopped in an airport once, going to a dick convention. They thought he had a gun in his pocket, gun down his um, trousers. And it turned out he was just pleased to see them. Yeah, and then there's, uh, another, there's, there's, there's another guy that thinks he has the biggest penis in the world, but it's just a it's a growth that goes over his penis. Oh no! Yeah, it's, well, you, it's really disgusting and horrible. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's horrible. Go to the doctor, guys. That's yeah. just the general tip. And, and you know uh, what? Thirteen and a half, way too big. I feel sorry for him. I bet he can't have sex with anybody. You're gonna yeah, have it's to. It's ridiculous. He'll, 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 he'll have to have sex with an elephant, wouldn't he? Yeah. Consensual sex so, with an elephant, though. <laughs> uh, and a fact about, uh, well, related to bananas and EU rules, EU's bananas being too bendy and whatnot, only 9% of men have a straight penis. Most of them bend quite a bit, and a curve of up to 30 degrees is still considered normal because of the, because of the variation. Cool. Uh, another one, the, there is no correlation between the length of a flaccid and erect penis size. So there's there's a basically an equal distribution of showers and growers. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or like you, Callum, small both ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and so, some people so, so, so even on average, have an if, if innie. You, some people even have an innie. Yeah, so, uh, so if that you, might just be women. The, 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 the smaller your penis, the more likelihood you've got more room for growth. And they say that anything of like, you know, showers of like 5.5 to 6, they only grow about an extra inch or so. But it's ones that are between kind of like 2 and 4, they'll grow a couple of inches. I mean, I've used that excuse before for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cold. It's just Dr. cold. <laughs> Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, the famous inventor of Kellogg's cornflakes. Yeah. He, you may and know this one. Picks. This is a bit of a famous fact. In fact, he invented cornflakes to try and curb the sin, as he saw it, of onanism. He saw Americans as being uh, led down a path to hell by masturbating and... In, I'm not sure how the mechanics of this would work. Cornflakes was his solution to stop people wanking. And it backfired massively because people still wanked and that's how they invented Frosties. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us today on the That's News To Me podcast. Do you want to give us a little roundup of what we've learned about today, Buster? I mean, like always, we've learned both so little and so much. But I think we've the important learned a dick load, mate. Let's be we've honest. We've learned a dick load today. The important take homes are, I guess, uh, if you want to defeat an enemy in conventional warfare, strap something that they love to the front of your shield, whether that's, you know, capa berries or pictures of Princess Diana or cats. We've also learned that no matter how cool you think mopeds are, really, (laughs) 
They'll give you a boner at one point in time. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna damage your gooch, and it's gonna be it's gonna be bad news. And and also we've learned innumerable dick facts that I think we probably have to mm. probably have to put out. And, no, maybe we'd never talk about this again. Actually, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we will. But I hope you guys have had fun on the dick and pussy episode. I had actually no idea until now that I'd create that sort of um, gestalt. Of this has been dick brilliant. and pussy loop I, between I, the episodes. I thought that this was so intentional, it. but you have done no, it. No, no, that's totally. I said these are just two things that I made me laugh in my evening private research. I think that um, <laughs> actually, to be a little bit more progressive, we should have done the dick and arsehole episode and really, you know, been out there and tried to be a bit more gay friendly but you some know. people refer to this podcast as the Dis- dick and arsehole podcast every week <laughs> Hang on, which some of ones? those people are odin <laughs> which one's which <laughs> i think I, I think if we let our let our listeners decide do at us at, at that's news to me pod <laughs> which one of us you think that is yeah and if whilst you're there why don't you follow us on the Instagram as well while she's telling us which one's yeah. a dick and which one's an outsole and give us, um, give us a follow and if you could pass this on to a, one of your mates and just be like listen to this dick and listen to this arsehole and uh, in the meantime I'll see you in a senite <laughs> and can canny <laughs>